1: Raymond Rowe is a WWE superstar. You may not recognize the name, but he is a member of the tag team, the Viking Raiders. And this is essentially Eric of the Viking Raiders. He's on SmackDown every Friday night on mainstream television. And yes, he is a hunter. And yes, he is not afraid to post about hunting because he believes. That the most important thing that he and his wife can do is explain the reasons for why they hunt. Holy smokes. A mainstreamer that wants to commit to explaining why they hunt to a mainstream non-hunting audience. This is an incredible conversation. So I gave your wife such grief. When her freaking AirPods were in charge, she just was like, absolutely, like, you know, it's your wife. So you probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I had like this this promise essentially ah, oh, don't worry. I'm going to have everything squared away. iPhone won't work. Didn't read the instructions to the, <laughs> <of> the podcast. would i be doing something.
2: Yeah, that's that's not a thing that I would do. Every all of my gear is charged. I just uh, didn't read the <laughs> instructions on the fact that this podcast won't work on an iPhone. Uh so, yeah, we had to we had to do a little scrambling, but we're we're here. We're good.
1: <laughs> well, I will say this. Your beard game is looking extremely tight today.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I um I Luckily, one of the things uh, that we do is uh, I see I see a barber like every other week Um, being on TV, um, you know, in your underwear uh, every week. You've got to there's definitely some uh, some vanity things that you need to uh, make sure is looking good. So facial hair is definitely part of the part of the character, part of the the. The presentation, if you will. So uh, yeah, I got to make sure it looks good on TV every week. Uh, 4k is not forgiving at all. So for uh, sure, for sure.
1: So beard game strong, no hair game up top is also strong.
2: I mean, but that was kind of chosen for me. I didn't really have a choice. Uh, It gets easier every week to shave my head, uh, because there's just less and less up there. So my uh, my razor has to do less and less work every week.
1: So the character was chosen for you? Like this character has a shaven head, essentially, or? No, no, no,
2: no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying naturally. Oh! Like, uh, no, yeah, I don't have a choice. Yeah, I don't have a choice. I couldn't grow hair if I wanted to. Uh, and I don't think, uh, you know, I sweat too much for a good wig to stay on.
1: Yeah, so people are thinking, like, what the hell, Kroger? You've got this guy that's on this podcast that says he's on TV and he's underwear. I thought you were, <laughs> like, in this, into hunting. What the hell You're of an into- intro. Yeah, oh, the the perceptions of hunting, and here we are talking to a guy that prances around. No, prances is not the wrong, right term. Excuse me. Yeah. Dances, um, Viking style around the arena. Um, you want us to use your stage name or your real name? Um, we can use
2: my real name. I mean, I'll I'll in, we, you can introduce the the stage name, or we can talk about
1: it. But uh, the, well, Ray, uh, welcome. Yeah to the blood origins podcast my man i am i'm stoked like i literally this is the kind of conversation i want to have every single podcast with people like you i i genuinely appreciate
2: that for anyone who doesn't know uh my name is raymond Rowe. um i'm one half of the viking raiders from wwe um and that's eric my half is eric my tag team partner is named ivar uh we are the viking raiders uh we were or a successful tag team before WWE, toured all over the world, Japan, Mexico, England, um, just about everywhere in the United States, um, multiple championships across, across the globe. Um, but uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about hunting, which is a passion, <laughs> a passion that uh, can, is, is kind of all-consuming. So
1: mm-hmm. Have you been to South Africa?
2: Not yet. I would love to go to South Africa. Um, I've actually never been to the African continent. It's definitely one of the ones um, on my bucket list, so I uh, I really want to go. Uh, give me your dimensions. Uh, six, you- six one, like two hundred forty five pounds.
1: Yeah, you're not going to be a small boy sneaking around the African bush. That's for sure. <laughs> not You'd at all. You have to put freaking camo on your dome, man. They'll be seeing your <laughs> dome from a mile away.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, so like. That's, that's, I mean, we can just dive right into that right away. Um, I don't really believe in camouflage. Uh, I don't. Neither does your wife. No, she does not at all. And she was actually one of the ones. So it's between her and, um, Donnie Vincent are the ones that ultimately put me over the edge on like camo is a lot of marketing. Uh, it's, it's more about movement. Uh, it's more about glare. Like as long you know, obviously if you're wearing like, you know, uh, blinking lights and stuff. I'm sure that's a, uh, that's a problem. So I, I, I wear face paint because I want to break up this mm-hmm. shiny, uh, beacon in the wood, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of go more with earth tones or, you know, I, I was hunting, uh, just yesterday in a red flannel and I had 16 deer around me and not a single one knew I was there. So I don't know. You tell me late season, right. there's no cover. There's no coverage. Like, uh, that picture, I was out in the snow, um, so I mean, maybe I was camoed because I was covered in snow. But uh, you know, it's not like there's a lot of a lot of uh, leaves or anything around me. I was only about 14 feet up in a tree. I wasn't even that high,
1: mm-hmm.
2: so, and and no one had a
1: clue I was there. Well, it's impressive six foot one, two forty. You know, to remain still <laughs> is a is an effort of mental mental acuity, essentially, sure. right? Yeah, especially. The, um,
2: terrified of heights so
1: that's really uh,
2: exciting yeah i'm terrified i hate i hate leaving the ground but uh and you just and
1: you're hunting in a saddle too right
2: yeah so i actually feel uh safer in a in a tree saddle than i do in like uh, a tree stand or like a like a traditional ladder stand uh because with a ladder stand you you wear a full body harness but the only way you know that body harness harness is going to work is if you fall uh, and then you're trusting your your body and, and your safety to a thing mm-hmm. that should stop you. And I mean, it's, it's rated for stopping you, but you don't know how to kind of, you know, hangman drop you might end up getting. Uh, whereas with a tree saddle, uh, you're tied in with tension on your safety system the entire time. So mm. I don't leave the ground without be, having a lineman's belt on. And then when I'm at hunting height, I have got a, you know, I've got a tether, uh, a tree tether attached, and there is tension on my life support, on, on my safety system. So there's no sway. There's no wiggle room. There's no like, oh, well, maybe I'll fall. No, like you're, you're tied in the whole time. And like, whether I'm, my feet are on the stand or I'm wrapped around the tree or whatever I'm doing, like, I'm not going anywhere because I, that, that rope is keeping me in the tree. And your butt's not getting numb in that no. saddle? No, no. I mean, I, uh, I, I use uh, uh, tether. I don't know about other like brands or whatever, but the the I've, I use a tether uh, XL because I'm a bigger guy, which is like a, a much larger saddle. So there's not as much hip pinch or anything like that. Um, it's it's awesome. I, I don't know. I just
1: I I love the thing. Sweet. So, as I understand it, this is something that you did not do growing up. No, I'm,
2: I'm an adult onset hunter. Um, I actually, the very, the, why didn't
1: you hunt as a kid?
2: So I grew up in the city of Cleveland. Uh, it was just an urban, urban environment. Like, um, you know, my wife, my wife grew up in Kentucky on a farm. Uh, she grew up with her family hunting and surrounded by hunting. Um, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in the city of Cleveland. I, we, we like to say that our first experience with firearms was very, very different. Um, uh, you know, like there was there was like gang graffiti around the neighborhood where I grew up. Like we they weren't, you know, there wasn't wilderness. There wasn't mm-hmm. uh there wasn't access to that type of thing. And like I had a couple like cousins that hunted, but you know, we didn't see them all that often. Um, and it was just kind of like a thing that they did. Like it was it was not something that my mom was like supportive of. She doesn't like she still doesn't to this day, doesn't like firearms. Um so it was just not a thing that I ever grew up, grew up with. And then like, uh, I grew up and I got really involved in sports and I got really involved in athletics and then wrestling and, and just kind of moved into that realm. And it wasn't until, uh, Sarah and I got together that she kind of rekindled her love for hunting. Mm
1: -hmm, Uh, mm
2: -hmm. And, and even when she first started, like, uh, she got, when, when we were starting to plan our wedding, um, and, and we were planning like a, a traditional Viking wedding um, where, you know, we were going to do like kind of mixing like old and new traditions and stuff like that. And one of the big things is a, is a feast. Um, right. and, and we want, she wanted to, she set her mind that she wanted to kill a deer and serve it to our families at this Viking feast. So she got really back, you know, got back into hunting hard and like went and spent like, all day, every day for like, I don't know, I think she was there for like six or seven days, like just hitting it hard, uh, back into hunting. And like, at the time I was just kind of like, this is your thing. Like, it's cool that you want to do this, but it's right." Your- right. right, right. Uh, and then, uh, she ended up getting me a, cr- a crossbow for Christmas that year. Uh, her and her dad did, I think they split it. And like, I went out in the woods, but we didn't see anything but squirrels and like, I wasn't really sold. I was like, I mean, I'll try it. Like I'll try anything. Like cool, whatever.
1: Um, so you didn't have a perception about hunting and hunters like as you were coming into the wrestling world before you met Sarah? Did you have a perception? Not really. I mean, like uh,
2: my I guess my my biggest perception was just like um like I said like my my uh, my cousins growing up and they were like uh they did a lot more um uh, like bird hunting. So they had like bird dogs. Um, and and they did a lot more of that, but it was all firearms. It was all just kind of like going out with the dogs and flushing up ducks and shooting ducks and stuff. And I just, I didn't really have like a, a positive or a negative view. I was just kind of like, you know, I, I kind it's of different. had, a, yeah. And I, I, I did have a misconceived notion about like trophy hunting, like, cause I feel like that's such a dirty word uh, in, in greater society and like no one outside of the hunting world even really knows what that means. Uh, it's just kind of like a a word, like a buzzword used by like anti-hunting groups to be like, Oh, hunting's bad because trophy hunting. And like, they don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. And -hmm. like, especially when you see a picture of a guy, like, you know, uh, like a, a fat business guy, like standing over a lion or something like that. And you're like, Oh my God, that's, yeah, that's terrible. Like, why why would you do that um and like you don't understand that like there are entire economies and stuff, and I mean being from you know from South Africa, like there's entire economies that are like dependent on commercial trophy hunting, where like there are a lot of endangered animals that wouldn't be around if people didn't if there wasn't monetary value to hunting them uh and like people don't understand that, and I didn't understand that until I started hunting, and like I really didn't even understand uh the reason why, like, I, I guess I was just, I was kind of like ignorant to our food systems and how, you know, meat, like I, obviously I knew like meat came to the store and like, you know, like it didn't grow there. Like a lot of people on my social media say, um, you know, they, they, they tell me like, I can't tell you how many times, uh, I've got Go to the store. Saying, Go get
1: your meat from the store. You heathen. No, but not
2: only that go get your meat from the store where no animals are hurt. (laughs) I swear to God, I can't even like multiple times on my social media, people say that. And like, it just blows my mind. But like, I just, I guess I never really thought about, you know, put any, put any thought into it. It was just kind of like, not really in my, in my realm of thinking uh, until, you know, uh, Sarah and I got, we got married. um, And then she, introduced me she turned me on to meat um, mm-hmm. eater show, and I watched like four seasons of it between that very first time like when we got married and then the next hunting season coming up and like by that point I was we had really talked about like where we wanted to go with the rest of our lives and like what we wanted to do and like we started exploring like homesteading and like why these type of things were really important to Sarah and like becoming important to me Uh, so then that next year, like we actually, we closed on a, on a farm, the the farm that we live on, uh, like, like a week after the opening of, of hunting season. So like I, the very first like real hunting I did was that, was that year. Um, and it was on our property, uh, it was on our farm and like, we were already kind of like exploring that homesteading life and -hmm. and reconnecting Mm -hmm. with our food. And like, so my entry to to hunting was just for meat. Like, I don't, I still don't know how to score a deer. People talk about like, well, it was a 150 inch deer. I don't, I don't know the first thing about classifying deer or age, you know, age class or whatever. Mm -hmm. I know that Mm -hmm. like conservation standpoint, it's better to take mature animals. Um, It's specifically mature males. Like I get that. And like, uh, seeing big mature deer from the stand, like, holy crap, that's it. Like you get the shakes and it's, it's exciting, but like, I'm just as happy if I, you know, if I can shoot a doe and fill my freezer and feed my family, like, that's why I hunt that like without meat, if I couldn't eat what I was hunting, I wouldn't hunt. Like you're bow hunting, right? You're not rifle hunting. Yeah, I'm, I'm bow hunting. So I, I, I genuinely enjoy the challenge of bow hunting. Why did you decide, uh, I, was it a Sarah
1: thing to just go straight into bow hunting versus using a boom? So she, yeah.
2: So she started, she started archery. Um, and like where I live in Ohio, bow hunting is like open from the end of September through the beginning of February. Yep, whereas yep. like, whereas like gun hunting, you've got like a 10 day window yep. and then there's like a six or seven day window with muzzle loader at the end of the season. So for, for me, who, especially with traveling, as much as I travel with work and like wrestling and all that stuff, having the ability to like, to, to spread it out over four months versus have to dedicate 10 days when I've never had 10 days off in my, in a row since I've been a wrestler, it just, it just hasn't happened. Um, so like just more opportunity for me, um, it leads to archery. Um, and <laughs> my, my first year I hunted with a crossbow. Um, and then because I wasn't confident enough with my compound, bow, I had a compound bow that I was training with. Um, but I wasn't confident enough with, with the compound bow to make an ethical shot. Um, and it wasn't until the, the following year that I, uh, that I started hunting with a compound bow, but I, I really like, there's something, um, almost spiritual about the connection that you have with an animal while bow hunting um because like i feel like from like rifle hunting you can be five hundred 500 yards away and like you're almost like looking through you know your uh, optics or whatever and then looking through your rifle scope like it's a picture on a screen um whereas when i'm bow hunting and a deer comes in i can smell that deer i can i can see the fur you know different patches of fur if there's like different colors or mixed mixed colors on its on its um uh on its coat you know i can see the i can see the you know the the different like uh spikes and and knobs on its on its antlers like i mean it's it's an intimate thing uh and then like every you know every kill i've made um you know we like I need a minute with that
1: deer. Like I What need- was that What was that first kill like? Um the first well, kill you obviously hit it with a bow, though, right? No, no. No.
2: Uh, it was it was my first one was a buck. Okay. Um and my and it was a crossbow. So, uh we it was like middle of October the first year that we had hunted. Uh and and we hunted literally every single day we were home. Um that first year, like if we were not on the road wrestling, we were, we were in the woods hunting. So I probably had, it was only middle of October and I probably already had like 15 sets at this point. Um, mm-hmm. and like, I, uh, I, you know, I had just kind of, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause like uh, I just texted Sarah to be like we had you know we'd agreed upon like hey we would check in at a certain amount at a certain time and then you know just kind of see what the rest what the woods are doing or whatever and like make sure hey we're safe because she was hunting on the other side of the farm and I texted her and I said hey I'm safe you know nothing don't see anything yet but like it was still like an hour and a half before sun the sun went yeah. down or you know, it was like getting real close to like prime time. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to put my phone away and hunt. And as I finished that text, I looked over and there was a deer like to my left. So I've got my phone in my hand and I start like, God, you idiot. Like you got your phone, you don't have your bow. Like you're going to mess this up. Um, But I was able to kind of like sneakily put my, put my phone back, grab my crossbow and then um, like, you know, line up, get a get a good shot. It was it was like uh like twenty-six or twenty-seven yards. Um, so you know, I shot him and he took off and like he kicked up when I shot him. Like it looked to me like it was a really good shot. Um, and I just, just like ah, super, super high at this point, like really excited, uh, because it, it connected. Like we were training and we were talking right, about right, it. Right, right, right. all year waiting for this shot and I made it. Um so I call Sarah right away. She, um, she pretty much jumps down from her, <laughs> from her tree stand, uh, comes, comes running on foot to the other side of the, on the other side of the, the farm to
1: me. Is she pring, is at this stage? Say what? Is no, 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 no. no, no, no. this is this the year
2: before. This okay. Is, okay. Is, we, I, like I've been hunting. This is my, uh, my third full. Okay. Full okay. Deer okay. Season here. Um, but, uh, so she, um she runs she runs over uh and like she's got asthma so she's like breathing and like you know but uh we we start looking for blood um at this point it started raining um and like this is where you know highest highs lowest lows of of hunting and specifically bow hunting uh so we're we're losing light and it starts raining and like as uh as we start tracking, like at first there's like solid blood. Like, I mean, it's, it's just like we, like someone was dropping paint and then we kept going. And and at this point I'm like excited. I'm like, all right, okay. I did everything right. I'm, we're about to harvest this animal. We're about to harvest this animal. And as we're going into the woods, the blood slows down and it slows down. And now it's raining. Like, I mean, a downpour and any, if there's little drops of blood, we might've lost it it's full black now, like full dark. And I start having a panic attack. Like, oh my God, I just wounded this thing. Like Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) I, I can't believe that, you know, I, I wounded it. Like I, I I just hurt this thing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm starting to question myself. Like, was it really a good shot? Like, you, you know, you're, you're asking all these questions because, I thought it was good shot, and I thought it was good blood, and but maybe it wasn't. Maybe I just maybe I'm a bad person. Maybe I hurt this thing, and I, I didn't bring it down. Mm. Start going through these like, and and literally like bent over, like breathing deep, like on my knees, like I feel like I'm I'm gonna throw up, like I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't. yeah. You know, this is the last thing I ever wanted, and um, so we call, you know, we we call a couple people asking like advice on like. What should we do? This is the last point of blood. Um, you know, uh, but it's raining really bad. We don't, we're not sure if we want to like leave it for more time or not. Um, Sarah, in very Sarah fashion, just starts like zigzagging through the woods. She, so I can see her flashlight. She's like, we're going to find this deer. Like, she's like, if you want to go back to the house, if you need to go to back to the house, that's fine. I'm going to stay out here. We're going to find this deer. So she literally just starts going like she's not grid searching she's not like doing anything methodical she's literally just going back and forth trying to find where she thinks the deer might go and she's just gonna go find it uh i start like from my last point of blood like i put a i put a flash or or, like a light there and i start like going out like spokes of a wheel right so i'm trying to like very methodically cover the cover the ground try to find try to find um the next, the next point of blood, uh, anything that can tell me that I'm not a terrible person. And I, I didn't just wound this thing. Um, and then it, it was like a scene out of a movie. Like I saw her light go across and it caught a patch of white. And at that time, like my light, you know, like I snapped over and I'm, and then he's there. And Sarah's like, she's like, we effing found him like on her chest. Um, and like, uh, So we, we did, we found him. He he ended up running like almost 400 yards after the shot. So he was a, yeah, he was a, and I got, so I got, um, like all of one lung in the bottom of the other lung. Mm. And so he just, he was a strong buck and ran. I mean, these things are, are powerful, incredible animals. Uh, and he just, he just ran. Um, but he was dead. He was down and dead when, when we, when we found him. Uh, you know, I cleaned like Sarah walked me through it, but it was my deer, it was my first kill, so I cleaned them. I did. It was the first time I've ever done that. Um, and she like, you know, there's, I don't know if it's a a, a full tradition, but uh, for for her, like with your first kill, uh, you know, white blood on 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 your face, and so 100%, she hundred percent, hundred percent, she wiped it down 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 the entirety of my face and all into my mouth. Uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh and then um I wouldn't let her help me drag it out of the woods because it was my deer. Like now this is the backside of our farm. This is way back there. So we start driving, you know, dragging this thing like uh I ended up dragging them over a quarter of a mile. Like uh and I, you know, I don't know anything about packing deer out at this point. I just grab legs and I mean we're just going. Um and uh, we get him almost a half mile in, and like she had called our neighbor, um, who we actually bought the farm from. He still lives pretty close, uh, and so he jumped in his ATV, ran over. We threw the threw the deer in the back of his ATV, brought it brought it into the barn, got it hung up, and then. Amazing. Uh, what yeah. A story. It was it was like crazy. The the highest of high, lowest of low, mm-hmm. and, and then it was good. But then like so like the next week, like we took it to the processor and the next week. And my parents came over, and my when they came over and I cooked them, like I cooked a backstrap, you know on a grill, um and I think Sarah made like mushrooms that we had like harvested from the woods, and we had this like meal that was harvested a hundred percent by us on our land, mm. and it all kind of like I had this like out of body experience, like watching my family eat this food that we had provided, and i like I was all in at that point. Like there was no hesitation. There was no doubt. Like this is, this is, this is why, this is why we're hunting. This is why we moved to the country. This is why we bought a farm. This is why we've made steps. And now we're raising cattle and we're raising chicken. And this year, um, we're going to start. So like we were just raising egg chickens, but like this year we're going to start a meat rabbit colony and we're going to start a, um, a meat, a meat chicken uh we're gonna raise meat chickens this spring um like this is why this is what we're doing this is this is the purpose of our life especially i'm ready to come to the row house and Hey, like, meal, if man you, if you leave row house hungry it's your fault like <laughs> like it's not it, it like that I, I feel like all day we're making dinner like you know we're 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 feeding dinner we're mm-hmm. you know what I mean? we're taking care of our animals that are gonna take mm-hmm. care of us like this is a This is a sacrifice that like we sacrifice so they can have the best life possible. And then until until that last like, you know, one second when uh, they'll give their life for us and then their life will sustain us. Because like the fact is life eats life. I don't care if you are a vegan, if you're a vegetarian, if you're a carnivore, if you're an omnivore, whatever you eat, you're eating life. Um, every diet on the planet exists because something else or some, or or because of, because something dies, um, plant, like it takes, like, I live in the country. I see when, when it's harvest time, things like people try to say like, well, I'm plant-based. I don't, I don't cause death. Uh, they cause probably more death than I do because Mm -hmm. I eat a big animal, Mm -hmm. um, like when when there's you know soybeans harvested or, or corn harvested or hay har- harvested or any you know whatever the big the big fields are harvested those those machines are not uh, delicate they're not they don't discriminate. they chew up everything in their path and, right. and it's, it's uh, you know squirrels, rabbits, uh, voles, moles, every type of ki- type of creature that lives in the ground is getting smashed, ripped up, and all that stuff and it's it's going into the plant you know, the, mm-hmm. the threshers and all that stuff. Like, and like for weeks after harvest, there's, there's, um, there's vultures all over the place. And there's coyotes, like, you know, which, which is part of the circle of life. That's the way exactly. it's done with crops. Exactly. But I don't think we can, we can lie to ourselves and try to say like, you know, my diet is cruelty free or my diet doesn't sure. cause Absolutely. death. Like, life eats life. Doesn't matter who, you know, if you're a hunter, if you're not like, so, and I think that's why we make the choices we do because we realize that. Uh, so I want to be connected to that. I want to eat the best meat that I possibly can both, both health wise and, and morality wise. I want to know that the choices that I'm making and the lives that I'm taking are the healthiest, happiest, most natural lives that are possible for that animal until it gives its life so that my life can
1: continue. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, it's certainly a, an honourable why, my man, um, and you've thought through it, which is a phenomenal thing because you're a mainstreamer. <laughs> you are yeah. someone who is in the limelight. You are on freaking WWE. Raw. You're on what else are you on?
2: That's uh, it, right? Well, well, right now I'm the WWE Smackdown. SmackDown. Uh, after, yeah. So there, there's two there's two main brands. There's Smackdown and Raw. And the third brand is NXT. We were on NXT. We came to Raw. We're on SmackDown now. Uh, but like SmackDown's on Fridays on Fox.
1: Uh you are on mainstream television, bro. <laughs> yes. Yes. And sir. you are you are comfortable and you are confident enough to talk about hunting on your social media platforms in which someone of the millions of people watching you on a Friday, they see you perform. They're like, Oh, who's this Eric guy? Let me check him out on Instagram. And they're going to see you hunting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't make it. You haven't had a manager or talent agency saying, eh, you shouldn't
2: be doing that, Ray. So, no one directly has said that to me as far as, like, from a talent Well, you're agent, a big boy. Nobody's I'm ever going to really say it <laughs> your no, face. I mean, no, let's yeah. be honest here. But, every, I mean, the, every, all the guys backstage at WWE are big guys, too. So, a lot of former wrestlers back there. They're not shy. But, like, uh, so, uh, two things. Like, so, we do have a social media policy at WWE, um, but Sarah and I both held ourselves to social media policies before we were WWE. Like we were public figures before we were, we were at the level that we're at now. Um, So we've always kind of tried to handle ourselves and present ourselves in a professional way, in a, in a respectful way. um, But also in an honest way, I think one of the like social media can definitely become a toxic place if you allow it to. Mm-hmm. um i think that the anonymity of being able to type mean things on a stranger's page and have no accountability whatsoever for your actions um or your words rather because there are no actions it's all words um is can be incredibly toxic and it's it's a thing where you know maybe somebody who's Not happy with themselves or, you know, not happy with their life or they're unhappy or whatever. Maybe they're looking for an outlet um, to vent or maybe they're just people who are trying to stir the pot and stir trouble and they think it's funny to, you know, say mean things to, to strangers in online and like whatever, whatever reason. I just choose not to engage in anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. people who every time I make a post and every, whether it's a hunting or not hunting post hunting is going to come up on almost every single one of in my comment section, uh, because I'm unapologetic about it. I, I think, and, and I'm, I'm very respectful in the way that I, uh, present it, uh, because, but I think that I'm very honest with how I present it. Like I kill my food. Uh, I'm a, I'm a hunter, I'm a hunter, I'm a farmer. Um, you know, I'm a homesteader, but I'm also a husband and a father and a brother and a son and, you know, and a professional wrestler. So, I'm going to post about all of those things. So, like I think whereas as toxic as social media can be, it can also be an incredibly powerful and positive space. Uh so that's what I choose to focus on. Um because like it's brought people together like your yourself and you know me and me and you for example like mm-hmm. we, we started interacting because of social media. I found your podcast. I found a you know and other podcasts like it, but I specifically found your podcast because you did a an online profile with um Bert Soren from Sorenex hundred uh, percent, and I saw it on his page and I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> but um so i I, (laughs) sorry i'm getting uh photobombed by sarah Um, so uh but I, i saw that i saw that profile and i saw um you know the the way that it was shot and like the story you were telling about him as a hunter and why he hunts and like what it means to his family and all this stuff and i was like man this is really beautiful and this is really well done this is this is a movie that you're making about a friend of mine um so i click and, you know, and then I'm like, oh man, this is cool. And I, I saw the mission that you're standing for and the, and you're, you're working all the time on fundraising stuff or making awareness. And like, I think there are so many anti-hunting advocates. Uh, there are anti-hunting groups or anti-hunting campaigns because people have a misguided, uh, understanding of what hunting is and what hunting means and what hunting really, uh, means to people. And, and, and the, the positive sides of hunting like people just want to be like oh that's a blood sport that's trophy hunting that's what expires but they have no clue what no clue actual hunting means and like why uh, don't they know that they are right so i think there's two things i think one is that um hunting media focused on being a blood sport for a long time uh and that kind of turn that turns people off right Right. so they were they were doing whatever they could I think to make to get attention um you know like because I did before I was a hunter I definitely knew that there was like hunting hunting shows like outdoor channel and it was you know some random dude with a rifle and bang and we're gonna we're gonna kill something you'll see me kill something I had no I had no interest in that you know what I mean? Like even today, I know like, no, I get it. Like, um, celebrity shows on on YouTube, and there's a bunch of you know uh, TV hunting shows that really have no interest. In, I, I have no interest in because mm-hmm. it's just, hey, this is me. Here's here's me hunting. Here's me killing something. Thanks for come in next week. Like, and and like this is you're talking to a guy who's filmed himself and his friends hunting. And put up hunting content on 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 YouTube and on social media. So like I'm more interested in the meat eater type or in the you know the Donnie Vincent type, um, who who tell us or Blood story. Origins type. The blood origins type or you know, <laughs> you, don't, you don't really post like hunting uh no, no we don't any. because we, we create content for non-hunters. Yeah, and I, I think that's important. And I think like I think I think that's probably more important than putting up hunting content just you're putting up like hunting adjacent content. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's palatable. Like my mom doesn't want to watch a hunting video where an animal gets killed, but because of Sarah and because of me now getting into hunting, she understands why we hunt. She respects that, that we both hunt. She's eaten deer multiple times. She's eaten bear. She's eaten, um, wild pig that we've all, that we've harvested. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her and my dad came over. They were the first ones who ever, uh, watched cash without us. Like we left mm-hmm. our son with my parents so that Sarah and I could go hunt together. Mm-hmm. That was the the first time, like, that's what we did mm-hmm. because that's what we like to do. Like, it's something that she, she got in, uh, she got me into, but like, she opened my eyes to this kind of world. But like, I feel like there's not enough positive representation of hunting, of and that goes into the why. Um and and I think that's part of why Sarah and I both feel like it's important for us who have a platform to spread that message. 100 um, percent You, you know, guys I, are doing a great I, I job. I think I think guys well thank you. Uh but I think guys like uh like Joe Rogan and Cam Haynes and like Jocko Wilnick and like guys guys like that who are who you know and Cam obviously got famous from hunting but also got famous like he his his kind of mainstream fame came i I feel like skyrocketed by being uh on the joe rogan podcast and becoming so like but he he was a hunter first whereas like joe rogan is is more similar to my story where like he was having you know a moral dilemma about meat and about the commercial meat industry and he was on the fence about going vegan or, or vegetarian prior to becoming a hunter because uh, he said i need to get connected to my meat and i feel like that's the same journey that i went on i, I wasn't considering um you know veganism or, or vegetarianism but i was just commercial meat and that's where i was going and now like getting into hunting literally changed my life and i know that's like that sounds cliche or trite but it really did like hunting led me to homesteading, led me to, uh, you know, trying our goal for 2022 and every year beyond is to only go to the grocery store for non meat items. Mm -hmm. Like our goal is to provide every ounce of meat that our family eats at home or in the woods. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I really think that's achievable this year. Like um, that's great. I don't, and it's something that's important to us, you know, and like, that's my why. And I'm not going to, I don't know, I'm not going to shut up about it. But I think, I think it's an important, I think it's an important message to, um, to tell both for hunting and for, and for ourselves. Like, uh, like I started saying about social media, how it can be really, really negative. Um, but it can also be really positive and really powerful. So like, I want to use that social media platform that I have to, to be positive. Mm-hmm kind of spread those positive messages about mm-hmm. hunting and explain why, why do I hunt? Because I like, I feel like, um, you know, you, you always hear like a convert is more dedicated, has like a stronger faith than someone who maybe grew up in the faith and kind of just
1: hundred right,
2: take, uh, take it for granted. Um, you know, and I know that I came, I didn't grow up hunting it wasn't something that my family always did or it was just kind of accepted or like whatever no like I made a conscious decision as a fully grown adult that this was the direction that my life was going into and every every year I feel like we hunt more and more and we get better at hunting we learn more about hunting we we dedicate more time to hunting we're looking for different avenues to hunt you know like we're we're now looking looking at it as, uh, it's, it's becoming a bigger part of our life in, and yeah, in, yeah. in that now we can take like hunting vacations where we can say, look, we're going to go do this. We're going to, we're going to go out West. We're going to go to Canada. We're going to go to, you know, where Hawaii to go on yeah, Texas. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like, and then we're going to not just go to that vacation and go to these beautiful places and, and meet interesting people and that we share, that we share values with. We're also going to come home with coolers full of meat,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and and be able to you know, and anything we can't travel with, we'll provide to family and friends wherever we're at. You know what I mean? Like, so it's. I I just think it's it's a
1: it's, coming, great. Full, it's, it's coming coming full, full circle. circle exactly. Yeah, really exactly. Talk to me about the the people that you you circulate with at at WWE. Have we got have we got people in the background that are coming up to you and going, "Hey Ray, what's this? What's this hunting thing, man? Tell me about it." Like, is Ivar? Let me let's start with Ivar. Does Ivar hunt? Uh, no, no, Ivar. No, he does not hunt. Ivar. Sorry. But yeah, this no, that's is okay. the African version of Ivar. <laughs> is Ivar?
2: Yeah, no, he uh he doesn't hunt. He um.
1: What does he think about hunting?
2: He he understands. Like, so okay. he's. We kind of we kind of laugh and you know that he's like my work husband, um, you know because he and has I has he were
1: eaten tag. wild game? Oh from yeah, you?
2: yeah, yes, yes. Cool. Uh, and He likes it. He likes. I mean, he look at him. He likes to eat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he, um, you know, he we, we he and I have been tag team for. Uh, I think he's my longest successful relationship, actually. Uh, we <laughs> we were we a tag team long before we came to WWE. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's kind of known me as I've evolved into a hunter and into a homesteader. Uh, he's come out and visited the farm um, where uh, him and his wife are supposed to come out maybe later this year, I think the spring. Um, and then he'll, they'll get the full experience, you know, like, uh, we'll make him go work the cattle and, you know, feed the chickens and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, like, so I've, there's, there's guys that are like in the backstage scene who hunt, um, like production guys, um, you know, camera guys. Uh, there's a uh a guys in the medical team. There's a couple guys who I'm thinking of specifically. Um, that are one one is on the medical team. Uh, and and he and I will like trade cal- trail cam pictures. Like he's like, oh man, you got to see this. Uh, look what look what we're chasing. You know, and the uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the camera guys, uh, is the same. Like he's got a farm down in Kentucky, and he's like, dude, check this thing out. But like they travel like we do, so sometimes they get to hunt sometimes they don't so like i've i've spoke to other hunters i think because i'm public about it people who are hunters and maybe are less public about it they'll like come up and it's an easy conversation starter
1: who are the but, big public wrestlers that are hunters that are outside of you steve steve austin's a big hunter isn't he yeah stone Stone cold
2: stone cold is a hunter Shawn michaels is a hunter Shawn michaels actually had a, a hunting show back in, oh that's like,
1: right that's right
2: I think early two thousands, maybe I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly where, but he had a he had a a hunting show. Um, he actually went to Stone Cold's ranch to to hunt. So. Yeah. They, they both, they are both hunters. Um, and I've talked to them about, I talked to Sean, uh, Sean Michaels about hunting a lot. Um, cause we were in NXT with him. He was like, a, he was a coach for us. Um, as I was getting into hunting as like things were happening. Cool. So like my first cool. deer, my first couple deer, I was like texting him pictures of them. Like, Oh my oh, God, that's this awesome. is that's he's, awesome. he's texting back. And like, he, that's a boyhood hero for me. Uh, mm-hmm. to have that interaction with. Um, but, uh, and like he's best friends with triple h who uh he so sean has taken him hunting before um he like triple h isn't like a like a hunter but he's gone hunting with with sean a couple times um and like definitely like appreciates that but like the 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 guys who are like the biggest name hunter brock lesnar immediately comes to mind he lives uh he's lived in minnesota but he also lives in i think he's full-time living in Saskatchewan now and mm-hmm. he like half of Saskatchewan or something. I mean, it's a massive, massive amount of property up there, Uh, but he can hunt like bear and moose and, you know, uh, mule deer and all kinds of stuff up there. Like just, he lives in a, you know, winter paradise. Um, Yeah, Uh, You call it a paradise. I call it winter hell. It'll be winter hell for eight
0: months.
2: (laughs) But that's the thing. Like I, you know, I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm, I'm definitely a cold person. There's only so many, there's only so many clothes you can take off in the heat and it's still going to be hot, but I can always put more layers on and be and be warm in the cold
1: um See, i'm the opposite man like if it's hot <laughs> i can get cool but if it's cold no. i cannot warm up yeah
2: no i could could not disagree uh disagree more but um that's all right we can we can we will be respectfully dis- disagreed. um the, another
1: guy um i'm trying to think but you haven't had also. any negative interactions with with male wrestlers that'll be like ah you dumbass. you know you shouldn't be on taking no, not
2: really because i feel like um maybe if i was just like focusing on the blood sport aspect of it people would kind oh, of oh yeah yeah problem with i totally it. agree but everything everything that i post and sarah posts are about hunting and eating and you know and food and why and like uh like i actually just brought some some venison in for a couple guys in the roster who had never um who had never eaten wild wild game before um and uh and there's the one of the guys actually uh has, has gone. So he, he was a, a pescatarian. So he was, he's like, I, you know, I don't like, you know, factory farming and all these other things. And like, I'm only eating, I'm only eating, uh, like fish. Right. And so, and so he was asking me for a couple of weeks about hunting and about my farm and about, you know, the stuff. And, and, uh, finally I was, and he kind of made an offhand comment, like, man, I would, I'd eat a deer if, you know, we were around and, and you, you know, you hunted it or whatever. And I was like, would you eat one if I brought you some meat? And he said, yeah. So I, you know, the Grant. next, and we, we travel around a lot. So like, uh, we were, we were on the, on the road, like close to his house. And I, I brought some frozen some frozen venison down for him like some, some ground and some brack straps and stuff like that uh, just in a cooler on the plane and gave it to him. he took it home and, and then for the next couple of weeks, he's like, oh my God, we just made that last night. It was amazing. So like <laughs> good. Which is awesome. And, and like, for me, like, that's why, that's why we do it. You know what I mean? Like, um, and like Sarah just made, we had like a a family uh, birthday party for one of my nieces. Uh, we've come from a big family up here I'm five brothers and sisters. Cash is grandkid number 11 for my parents. Like everybody lives fairly close. Um, so like we went into a big family, uh, like a family birthday party last week and Sarah made shepherd's pie with venison. Oh, awesome. even like some of my sisters who aren't, they're not, you know, nobody, none of my brothers, well, my little brothers are hunter, but like my, my sisters are not, but they, all of them were tried it and they're like, oh my God, this is really good. This is, mm-hmm. this is cool. Like to see family, you know, eating that stuff that we
1: harvest. So last story about how hunting is so freaking ingrained in your family. I heard... I don't know if it was you. I think it was you or Sarah. If it was Sarah, holy smokes. It's like she's a rock star. A deer was shot. You're trailing a deer. Both of you are trailing a deer. She's nine months pregnant. And she goes into labor whilst tracking the deer that someone shot. (laughs) True or Uh, not true?
2: uh, So... True. Um I was this is, this is the end of this is the end of last bow season, uh, last year's deer season. Uh and it was like the second to last day of the season or maybe it was a th- like there was like one or two more days of, of the season left. And I was out back uh hunting. I was in my saddle um and I I shot a buck. Um he was real big. I had buck fever. Uh hands were shaking. But also it was like I think it was like two degrees uh with like probably like a negative 10 negative 12 wind chill um and we already had like 16 to 18 inches of snow on the ground Um, and your wife is nine months pregnant right but she's at the farm at in the farmhouse at this point uh when when this story when i shoot the deer she's there Um,
1: so we go um just side notes Sarah Rowe at nine months is allowing you to go hunting. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> like imminently due with the first baby.
2: Yeah. So, and, and, and we were already at this point, we were probably 10 days past our due date. Uh, we're planning on, we're planning on having the baby at home. Uh, yeah. But we're, we're, I mean, we're on the farm. So at most I'm sure, 20 sure. minutes away from whatever she calls me. And that was kind of the agreement. Like, Hey, if my water breaks, you're coming in from the woods. Yeah. No problem you know, obviously. Um, but, uh, so I shoot this deer, um, and we, I go back, um, and like, I I wasn't sure. I think I, I didn't, I didn't put a perfect shot on it. Um, Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. you know, my hands were, my hands were frozen. Like when I I pressed my release, I literally couldn't feel my hands. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just uh, making excuses. I just, it is what it is. I didn't put a shot on it. Uh, I came back in, uh, we ate, we, and then to try to give the the deer a little bit of extra time. Um, and then Sarah and I, we brought the ATV out to where we, uh, where I made my shot and then we started the blood track. Now, Sarah, I don't know if y'all talked about it, but Sarah is, first off, she's a savage. Uh, like she would hunt with a stick, she would hunt with a stick and a rock if she could. Um, and, uh, but, She's always leads the blood trail because I physically can't keep up with her in the woods. She just goes like a bloodhound. She, she gets it. She's fine in the blood and she's off. So we're, we're, I've got to like constantly be telling her to like, Hey, slow down, slow down, slow down. Hey, slow down. Uh, Even nine months pregnant. So she's nine months pregnant. She starts off on the blood trail and she's just moving. And now we're going through like I said 16 18 inches of snow and that's not with any like drifts like there's drifts up you know up to your waist and uh, in some of the stuff she's up over over down trees she's under trees she's you know just going um, we end up tracking this deer and like I think we went after it too soon because mm-hmm. we found it we found a bed um and then it and then it, it where there was like a big pool of blood and then when we we got on it it, by the time we got to that bed, there was no blood afterwards. So I don't know if it stitched up, if it kind of, you know, congealed and it wasn't bleeding anymore. But I said, look, like, I don't know that this deer is down. We're going to go back in the house. We're going to, and we're going to come back out the next morning to track. Okay. So we were walking back from now. We're, we're now deep, deep in the woods, uh, like way, way away from our, our, uh, our farmhouse and we end up, um, we, you know, we, we, we lost a blood trail in our net na- on our neighbor's property, um, who we have permission to hunt on, um, like good friends of ours, but like we end up having to walk back to the, to the ATV because we're right, right. In, in the middle of nowhere. So we're walking through like, you know, and now we're going we're, you know, cut across an ag field. So we're like thigh deep in, in snow. Um, she doesn't complain. She's just a trooper. She's just moving through, you know, just breaking through through snow and, and she kind of makes the joke like, hey, if this doesn't put me into labor, nothing will." And so we, we kind of laugh like, haha yeah, uh, this will probably this will probably do the trick and then just continue walking. So we end up back to the you know, go back to the ATV. like we finally get back to the house probably about 11. Um, and about two or three in the morning, she wakes up. And her water broke and she Jeez. goes into labor. And then, you know, that, that's an entire, another story. Uh, you know, she, we started. A
1: yeah, she, she,
2: we ended now up you got
1: a freaking 30 pound tank.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. We got it. We got a, a tank of a son, but, uh, obviously with her going into labor and then we ended up in the hospital and then we were at the hospital for three days, like, um, I didn't get back out the next morning to track that deer. Uh, so then a month later, we now we got steady snows for the next like three weeks. And and we're talking, you know, like it upwards of another probably foot of snow um, where where we were. And like a month after that, like and I, I kind of, you know, I was I was sad that we didn't get back on that deer. Like, obviously, it went back. Coyotes probably would have gotten it or something like that. But a, a, a friend of ours who's a farmer who has, who's got a farmer like just maybe 100 yards, 150 yards from where we lost, lost the blood um, texts us, uh, texts a, a group of us who knows who, who's hunting and said, Hey, did anybody lose a buck at the end of the last season? I guess it's what, three weeks later, four weeks uh, later? Uh, yeah, full month uh, because the snows had finally melted. And he was just, he was, uh, you know, uh, going on his, uh, mm-hmm. checking fences on his farm and saw a buck dead in his woods. Like, you know, uh, like I said, it was maybe sure, 200, sure. 250 yards from where we, where we quit, where we, we quit tracking and, and walked back. But I mean, there was no, there was absolutely no blood. So we we were a needle in a haystack, but he laid down and, and got buried in snow and was preserved really? for a month. So then we, we actually found, yeah, on my social, on my, on my Instagram, I've got a picture, uh, holding cash because he was a month old and we took the ATV over to the guy's property and, uh, and, and recovered the deer that had been frozen solid and, and out for, for a month. Um, and we got, we got him mounted. He's, he's like above, um, uh, he's above where like cash has like Montessori toys and stuff like that, but like he's on the wall. So like he'll forever be the birthday deer. Like that was yeah,
1: you know, yeah, yeah.
2: that was Cash's deer that caused her going to go into labor and that was you know uh Amazing. It it's crazy that and that connected him and like he we went and recovered him with cash. So that he was like there. You know what I mean? Like put him in a little chest and like put him in cold warm clothes and walked him out in a little chest uh,
1: mm-hmm. uh
2: the baby carrier and and got that deer. It was it was Wild that that we were actually able to to recover it and, um,
1: you know, thankful that that happened. Yeah, that's wild, dude. Well, look, man, we're super proud of you. I'm super proud of you. I want to say thank you for being a champion for hunting through your mainstream platform. Um, you certainly are someone to look up to, and I know that a lot of people that interact with you see that. Um, and you're married to a savage, so, um
2: yeah, definitely kick my coverage there. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like we all do. Like we all do. Um, yeah, man. Let's let's look, man. Anything you need from us, you know where to find me. I'm I'm very appreciative for you, and I know the hunting community is very appreciative to you too. Awesome. Thank
2: you so much for having me. And uh feel free to to reach out. Uh anybody listening to this whenever. Uh, and uh look forward to to more stories down the road.
1: Absolutely, brother. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.
2: Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City
0: Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.